Hi everyone, this is Brent Cosrow and David Walton coming to you from the Philadelphia offices of Fisher & Phillips, where we're here to present our fifth podcast regarding electronics and all things digital in the American workplace. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brent. I'm uh, excited to be back here to talk about some data analytics. Uh, last time, I think we got through the first part. I think our goal today is to finish up with part two, but it might bleed into part three, but we don't know. We'll see um, how far we get. Exactly right. So I think last time that we stopped at you know, giving some examples of the way that data analytics has been used in the, in the marketplace by non-HR type uh, industries. And so what I thought we'd do is start off today by just talking about how is HR using data analytics? And the key point here that we have to always remember about data analytics is that it's so good. HR departments aren't going to stop using it just because of the risks. So it's, it's really tempting. It's, it's beyond tempting. You know, like, I'm not sure if we talked about this last time, but a company called Palantir was able to use data analytics to identify IEDs and where they were going to be in Iraq and Afghanistan. Okay. And they did it on weird stuff like the price of lettuce and stuff and stuff like that. And it was 80% per, per effective. Those same algorithms are being used now and transferred over to the HR departments in all different areas, in training, in hiring, in promotion, in pay, in recruitment, everything that you can think of. Like for, for example, I, I give you, there are a lot of companies that are using artificial intelligence and analytics, which I think you can use interchangeably in this con context, but they're using artificial intelligence and analytics to hire people, or at least to do the first call of, uh, of, of, of resumes. Like one very large uh, company, for example, that had 150 call centers. Now, my mom worked in like a call center for the uh, telephone company, and I can tell you that's a hard job. Yeah. It, it's a very hard job. It's a lot of uh, high turnover, right? And so they had a major turnover problem. So they had 150 call centers, so they developed an online evaluation tool for job applicants. And it used things like uh, gamification, which we can talk about in a little bit. It used a personality assessment. It evaluated the cognitive skills as the applicant was uh, uh, playing the game. I'm using air quotes with uh, playing. It tested specific factual situations and scenarios. And it worked so good, it improved retention because they were picking the right people. It improved retention by 20% over four years. So it's basically a case where the computer is doing a better job than people have at recruiting. At, at picking people who will stick with the job. Now, where it gets a little bit sketchy is that analytics, as we talked about last time, because it's based on correlations, not causation. It's based on correlations you have to have a ton of different data points to make a cogent correlation or a viable correlation. So one of the, uh, one of the points in an algorithm of, like this might be, okay, social scientists have proven if, you've, if you are from a suburban or a rural area, you're more likely to stick with a job. If you are from or live in an urban area, you're, you're more likely to switch jobs faster. That's just what the uh, data says. But you can think then, if that algorithm is using that point of correlation, it's gonna pick rural suburban people over urban people. That could 
obviously have a disparate impact on a, a protected category. And that's the sort of thing we can expect enforcement agencies at the state and federal level probably to begin to yes. focus on. Yes. Are these going to be permissible gross generalizations that they pull out of these massive sets of data points? Yeah. And if this is one data point, but there's a million other data points or a thousand other data points, how much has this one data point influenced the decision? And then you even get into the but-for causation on a disparate treatment claim versus a, dis a disparate impact claim. You know, so there's a, a lot of different things where we're using our old standards and applying it to new technology. Uh, I'll just give you another example. A major social uh, media company, probably the uh, biggest in the world, wants to get information and profiles about its employees so we can help pick which jobs and which career paths the employees should do. Universities are using the same types of algorithms to help kids pick what majors they should take, what careers that they should go uh, into. So this was a major social media company, so they already had access to a ton of social media type information about their employees. But they would ask them questions about their hometown, their preference for pets, the, uh, the number of pets that they had, their favorite type of ice cream, the type of magazines and websites that they read. They would combine that information with their internet profiles, their social media profiles, the vast volumes of commercially available data about us that, that are out there, and they would, in their HR departments, would then come up with a profile for every single one of their employees that would help guide where these employees, you know, which jobs that they should be going for. And a lot of times the employees didn't even know that this, this was going on be, behind the scenes which raises issues about workplace privacy. Because could you do something like that in, in the EU under the GDPR? Pro probably not. And the GDPR is making its way to our shores. Sure. And whoever thought that my you know, sort of decision, that big decision of Baskin and Robbins versus Ben and Jerry's <laughs> could have such lasting implications, yes. we're all gonna have to think about that. Yeah, and, 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 and there's other uses for this, like for, especially with the pandemic, and everything's virtual now. So. Uh, there is a, uh, there are tools out there. There are big companies that run biometric scanning tools that give applicant feedback based upon your facial expressions, the way you talk, uh, the, um, the, your speech patterns, your eye movements. So th that information is being analyzed in addition to the substantive answers. Okay. Now that's, you know, like, for example, with uh, me, I grew up with a speech impediment. I, I got a slight stutter. So if I stutter in a, um, in a job interview or on a video, because you know, a lot of times with these job uh, interview platforms now, you have to make sure to video up about yourself. And they use AI to analyze that uh, the video, and they use that as the uh, clearinghouse. <laughs> okay? And so if I stutter in that, are they going to assume, well, he's nervous, he's, he's not the right for the job? No, I grew up with a stuttering problem, I still stutter a, a little bit, it's no big deal. So is, is that, you know, so that obviously raises issues. Also, you and I do a lot of trade secret work, okay? So there's been a ton of tools that have been developed by the guys who run PayPal and in the banking industry to help predict when fraud is going to occur. It's like, the, uh, it's, it's like that movie with Tom Cruise, the Minority Report, where they were able to or 
predict when a crime was going to occur so they would arrest the person before the crime was done. Pre-crime. Right? Exactly right. Well, this is like pre-resignation right. or pre-document theft. So there are tools out there and there are companies that you can hire that will help predict when an employee is about to leave. So then you can start to monitor that employee. But, but oh, what happens if that tool's wrong? I mean, does he does the employee have any cause of action either against the employer or the uh, or the um, or the uh, company that runs the tool? Um, one other thing I'll just give a quick example of is there's a major company out there working with major big box retailers, multiples. Now these major big box retailers are multi billion dollar companies, so they're self insured, so they have a lot of uh, medical data about their employees. There's a lot of publicly available uh, medical data that you can buy about prescriptions and stuff like that too. And so this one of company, the data analytics company works with these big box retailers to help predict which employees are trying to get pregnant, to help uh, predict which employees are gonna get diabetes, to help predict which employees are gonna have back problems or cancer, okay? Now, they say we don't identify which employees are trying to get pregnant, for example, Okay, but is that really the case? And can you trust that that's the case? And is a jury going to believe that that's the case if this if this comes into evidence? And so those are all the examples where um, data analytics is being used. And there's a thousand more examples out there. And what I guess when I when I hear about this, I think about what sort of responses and things that we're already hearing government agencies yeah. talk about by way of yeah. enforcement. What have we heard so far? Well, the EOC is really far behind on this. And a lot of commentators, both uh, plaintiffs and uh, the plaintiffs lawyers and employment lawyers are looking for guidance from the EOC because we see that there's a major problem of coming down the road with, I think we said in the first installment of this podcast that there's 70 or 75 per percent of HR departments are using analytics. And that was like from 2018. So it's got to be much higher now. So if HR departments are using analytics on that scale, there is no guidance from the EEOC as to when you can use certain tools, what things you should do when you're looking at a tool, uh, how deep you have to go. Because what most employers do, Brent, is they buy the tool and they say, yeah, it works. It's like a black box. Yeah, it, it works to help me clear if I got 10,000 resumes and I, and I get them online, I'm going to run everything through this black box that's going to pick the top one of 100. And that's, and that's just what the computer says. And I have to use it because there's no way I have time to go through each one of these 10,000 of the resumes. And guess what? The black box is better at picking people on the first cut than human beings are. Okay. And so the, uh, the EOC, actually a Republican member of the EOC, uh, he has issued something, which I never heard uh, prior to this. His name is Keith uh, Sunderling. He is initiating something called a commission charge, which is a rarely used procedure that allows the EOC to initiate targeted bias probes. I'm not even sure really what that means, because I've never had to handle one of those. But um, just like I said, it's, rare, it's rarely used. And, and, and the problem is, is that because there is no guidance out there, it's like the Wild West right now people are being discriminated against and they don't even realize who is making the decision they don't even realize that these 
types of algorithms and artificial intelligence is being used in the background by their HR departments. So they don't even realize what is going on and what, and what tools are being used to make decisions about their future, be it in initial hiring, be it pro motions, be it pay, et cetera. That type of void is the sort of thing where until it shakes out, until there's better leadership and frankly government agencies catch up, you're going to see private practice groups um, that work in areas like data breach and privacy mm-hmm. and data analytics fill that void. Yeah. And some of the thought leadership I think we, we expect will probably come out of those, those yes. spaces. Uh, you know, here we've obviously got our practice group where you're a member. Yeah. Uh, Risa Borner in our Philadelphia office is the chair of that group. Out in the West Coast, Usama Kaf is yeah. doing great work in that area. But I think what one of the things I think we have to be on the lookout for and keep our listeners updated on is whether or not we see more activity, more robust vacuum filling yeah. by the government to give guidance on these topics. And whether plaintiff's attorneys are going to pick up on this and will this be a new wave of disparate impact suits? Because you don't see a ton of disparate impact cases now. Uh, and so will this be, you know, will the right plaintiff's attorney invest the time it takes to learn artificial intelligence and just to learn the basics, find the right experts who can testify that use of this type of program is almost per se discrimination and they have a massive class action from it. And so that's, that's what I think you're, you're going to see in the future now or in the future going forward. And what you have to think of is like right now, what can I do? If that's going to happen in the future, what can I do right now to help prepare myself and prepare my organization for that type of lawsuit? And that is, and, and the biggest piece of advice I can give HR departments that are using analytics is don't just accept everything at face value. Do some diligence. Imagine you're going to be in front of a jury someday and you're going to have to explain why did you choose this program? Did you do anything to look into it? Did you test it? Did you do an exploration of the uh, correlation factors that, uh, that they use? Did you take an active look at the uh, questionnaires that, that they use? Uh, did you do a post analysis to look to see if there's a disparate impact by using this tool? Those are all things that HR departments have to be thinking of now. Well, these are all the topics that make up what's on the cutting edge of electronics and digitization of the American workplace. That wraps up today's session. Uh, we'll, we'll be preparing for and pivoting to our next series in this, the third of three on data analytics and big data in the American workplace and how it's being used and what employers need to know. But for today, this is Brent Cosro and David Walton signing out, coming to you from our first post-Labor Day podcast, and we look forward to seeing you all again soon. Thank you, Brent. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. Thank you.